0: you <laughs>
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Discovery Debrief, a podcast setting a course to discuss the future of the final frontier in Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picard, Prodigy, Strange New Worlds, and more. I'm co host Chris Clow, and I'm joined by our full, bold panel of Star Trek franchise explorers, including Rachel Clow. Hey. The returning Zaki Hassan. Hello. And the one and only and venerable Mr. Cicero Holmes. I've got faith of the heart. inside joke and uh in in this episode we're also very pleased to be joined once again by the ultimate pop culture and sci-fi archaeologist himself from the excellent youtube video series Trexpertise, mr kyle sullivan kyle thanks for coming back to
0: us uh hola i got my degree at a community college
1: (laughs) it counts it still counts it still counts (laughs) and it's how you use it so all good (laughs) Well, for this episode, we don't really have a set format, but we do have an overarching topic. Before I get into that topic, I want to take a, a quick moment to thank Mr. Cicero Holmes for his recent efforts in picking up the baton of Discovery Debrief and taking it upon himself to... Uh, to see brand new episodes through with uh, another very capable uh, beta shift. We were listening to the beta shift shenanigans of discovery debrief and uh, all welcome guys who will all be back at some point. It's very possible that the baton will be immediately passed back to
2: Cicero right after this episode,
1: (laughs) but, but thank you, my friend for doing that. It's uh, it's much appreciated. And I know our listeners appreciate it too.
2: Ah, Hey man. Uh, Those missions are ongoing. So uh, you know, someone's got to. Someone's got to take those missions.
1: Oh, Hey, no, it's, it's much obliged. I mean, you, you might say that you have been boldly going the entire time, uh, in an ongoing, never ending mission. And, uh,
2: yeah, yeah. And I want to, I want to say, uh, thanks to, uh, friends of the show, Sharif Jackson and, uh, and Tyler Monaghan for, uh, you know, for helping me out along the way. Uh, Sharif has been on the show a bunch of times, but, uh, Ty is uh, it was a was a podcasting neophyte and uh I mean you would never know it no from, you would from, from the from the sounds of it uh incredible incredible job and and hopefully uh if the if the space allows uh would love to have him back on
1: of course oh the space allows he 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 has a seat on the bridge most definitely right so right so on. thank you Ty if you are listening to this episode it's much appreciated um, but inevitably, before we get into our topic, too, Zachy, my God, <laughs> 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 it's, it's been a while. Um, and I know that our listeners have wondered where you are. But of course, life finds a way, but life also gets in the way. <laughs> so if you wouldn't mind just giving us a little update. How are you doing? What have you been up to? And uh, has Star Trek seen any, any play in your life of late?
3: Uh, well, first of all, uh, thanks again for, for bearing with me. It, it has been a little bit uh, ridiculous lately. You know, um, over the last two years with, with pandemic uh, uh, learning at home, uh, that was one type of exhaustion. And then just when you get used to that, now um, my schools are shifting back to in-person and, um, uh, that's a different type of exhaustion. You know, that's the having to drive around again, exhaustion. Right. <laughs> and so in the San Francisco right. Bay area, nonetheless, right. <laughs> that, that's right. Yeah. And, and, so, you know, I'm, I'm sort of witnessing in real time as the traffic is starting to ramp up again and right. that's kept me busy. And then of course, you know, um, I've been doing a, a lot of writing for the, for the San Francisco Chronicle lately. And, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's a good feeling to be busy. I always say this, I'd rather be busy than not, but man, sometimes uh, you're just like, all you just want to do is sleep. You want to get like, <laughs> oh, like, sure. two, like yeah. seven hours of sustained sleep. And I, I haven't had that in a while. And I, I'm very much hoping for that at some point. Yeah. And Rachel and I only have one child. So I can't imagine <laughs> when you multiply that several times for you. That must be. It's, you know, it's, it's interesting. Cause my, my oldest, he just turned 15 Wow. And my youngest, she's about to turn five, right? So there's the range between the. Oh yeah. And and, and, and the the one thing I'll say is having a fifteen year old is really nice because you do get to delegate stuff hmm. and be like, get your ass up, you know, get, <laughs> right. get dishes, like you know, you can do that, you know. Um, throw the trash out, you know, and so like I've been enjoying that part of parenting. Yes. <laughs> the the yes. delegation part, uh, which I just have not been able to do um and and uh, as it pertains to star trek i have to uh, plead guilty i mean i'm just so far behind Uh, i i've seen basically what i've seen is like the one episode of of prodigy with which was like the the reunion show if you will uh but other than that i'm just i'm i'm just trying to find uh you know minutes within minutes so that i can catch up on this stuff
1: Well, what do you think, what do you make of what you have seen of Prodigy? I know that you've only seen a sliver of it, but I I imagine that your perspective might be a little more unique than the rest of us because of the ages of your kids and a great focus of conversation between all of us on the panel right now has been, who is this for? That's been a (laughs) a recurring theme from Cicero, but I'm curious if your kids have seen it. And also, of course, you know, what, what do you make of it?
3: So I, I I've watched uh, uh, a handful of, of scenes uh with my kids. My my thirteen year old is is just not is not having it. He's like, No, that's mm-hmm. not Star Trek. Wow. And I'm like, hey man, stop being such a jackass about it. And he's like, No, it's not Star Trek. He's he's being a tool. And, not my Trek. Yeah, you know, and it's funny because 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 to that point, like I, I'm like what i see of it i'm like well this seems fine it just doesn't seem like it's aimed at me so like i'm and i'm fine with that you know there's plenty you know you guys know me there's plenty of ice cream for flavors of ice cream for everybody right. uh, but definitely my kid being like nope not digging it i yeah I, I i acknowledge the point that you make which i think is a good one like well, I don't know who's watching it then. <laughs> <laughs> oh man,
1: no, that that, that that's interesting um, because uh, when we talked about Discovery, really in the first major way on the show, Kyle was the guest for that episode. And uh, Kyle, I think it's fair to say Prodigy, that you,
2: not Discovery,
1: yeah, Prodigy, yes. Prodigy. Kyle, I, I think it's fair to say that you are uh, less convinced by the current iteration of the Star Trek franchise, at least predominantly. Um, but you enjoyed that first bit of, of Prodigy. How has it continued to hit you? Because you're more caught up than Rachel and I are.
0: Um, Star Trek Prodigy is probably, in my opinion, the best Star Trek series of the last twenty years.
3: Wow, <laughs> high praise.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's such a different vibe. Uh, being a, a quote unquote adult. Slash kid show, whatever the hell that means. Uh, cause it, you know, it just had some, had a lot of the same heart and character that you would normally get out of a track show that I don't feel like is quite there in the same measure with the other live action shows. So I, I, I went into it totally skeptical and it won me over.
1: Is there a chance that you are going to do a deeper dive in a more formal setting of Prodigy?
0: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> probably probably after a second season or something mm-hmm. after that mando versus disco essay i'm going to we're going to pivot back to some other topics i'm i'm cooking up a uh, ferengi religion essay right now which awesome. is awesome going back nice. to some older stuff but i think nice. i think the only way to talk about prodigy in terms of video essays for expertise is like why why does it work mm. and I feel like I just got out of that conversation, so sure. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to marinate with that for a minute. All right.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that makes sense. Well, I'm interested. Uh, we we've got like four episodes left, I think thereabouts.
4: Not even that. I think we have two.
1: Oh, okay. Well, um, as soon as we saw Chikote, I was like, oh wow, okay, this is an interesting tack to take. I'm sorry. It was, Rachel's, blo- we have a camera on right now while we're recording this and Rachel is like blocked from view and I feel bad, but there's, it's there's
4: g- no way for me to sit and be in view of I'm you. sorry. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> trying to,
1: I'm, I'm not trying to do this. This is my, just retrofitting my workspace to work for Discovery Debrief.
0: But Has um, everyone seen the Kobayashi Maru episode of Prodigy?
2: I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that's yeah. the episode or yeah, 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 yeah. portions of it that Zachy saw. Yes.
3: that That is correct. Yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. So, like, I, I didn't, I personally didn't think you could tackle that topic again in, in 50 years. Like, you know, here it is. Here's it. Is, they're going to do the same thing again. It felt completely fresh, man. The whole yeah. show does it. It surprises you. It comes up from behind. It's like, oh, nice. I'm, it's, it's lovely. Mm-hmm.
3: So, yeah. so here, here is my my question, and I, I genuinely I'm wondering if they address, if the, do they address that the simulation is from the Enterprise D, yet they are being attacked by Klingons, which chronologically doesn't work. Does this does it address that at all, or it
0: doesn't address it? The, the impression no. I got was that in the 24th century, which is kind of where the show is taking place, like in the 2380s or something. Yeah. Right, right. They just updated, you know, the presentation. Okay, and and Kid went ahead and modified it some more by adding a crew. Um, right. right. I, I just got the sense like it was still in the in taught at Starfleet Academy, which is amazing, you know, because it wasn't really that re- heavily referenced in the twenty fourth century shows. Not really.
1: No, no, we never actually saw the test take place in the twenty fourth century, if I'm remembering correctly. So. Apparently they haven't updated the content of it in about a hundred
0: years. <laughs> you, um, you,
3: you probably want to do that before the Klingons find out like, yeah. How did Worf? Right, right, the we're another? doing what now? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah.
1: That's
0: funny. Yeah.
3: Worf, I, I
1: would like to see what Worf's reaction was to taking the <laughs> right. test. But I'm sure he did, but uh, no, it's, well, it's cool. I'm glad that, um, that everybody has enjoyed that. And of course we've got a lot more uh, new stuff to look forward to, but Let's shift topics to the reason that we're all here, because one of the new things we have to look forward to is actually absent of the current direction of the TV show. So let's get into it. So, the news came down back on February 15th. Paramount had decided to make an official announcement that said that uh, the original Kelvin timeline cast of uh, the Star Trek from 2009, Star Trek Into Darkness and Star Trek Beyond are going to be coming back for a new film that's going to start shooting by the end of the year. And this was made during Paramount's Investors Day presentation. So, you know, they had to put on their, their, their best Sunday suit and, and make a case for why everybody and their mother should sign up for Paramount Plus in addition to other things. So, uh, the quote came from J.J. Abrams that was in all of the trades, and it said, "We are thrilled to say that we're hard at work on a new Star Trek film that we'll be shooting by the end of the year that will be featuring our original cast, and some new characters that I think are going to be really fun and exciting to help take Star Trek into areas that you've just never seen before. We're thrilled about this film. We have a bunch of other stories that we're talking about that we think will be really exciting, so we can't wait for you to see what we're cooking up, But until then, live long and prosper. So that's a pretty big bomb to drop because for the past several years, and we've talked about it on this show, the star Trek film franchise, it seems like it's been uh, handed between a bunch of different creative minds. They had hired a couple of different directors at different times for a Kelvin follow-up film. Quentin Tarantino's name had been bandied about as a screenwriter uh, and uh, much to the total prediction of virtually everybody on the panel, except me that petered out. Um, so it's, it's interesting that we are getting a fourth Kelvin timeline film, especially considering that the critical reception to star Trek beyond was positive, but the, the financial reception to it uh, was seen as a disappointment. So, and, and money is the thing that speaks the loudest in these things to the studios. So, first, I want to actually go to Rachel
4: whoa
1: <laughs> ladies first okay a fourth Kelvin <laughs> timeline Star Trek movie. The news has struck. How does that strike you?
4: uh now or at the time? both Oh, okay, at the time, I was like very confused <laughs> because <laughs> I like I didn't see how it was totally possible that they were able to drop the money that I can imagine that they would have to drop to get all these people back. They're all pretty big stars now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And since then uh, you've pointed me to some other articles that suggest that they haven't yet secured those people. And perhaps you'll talk about that. We'll get to that. So I'm thinking, you know, like I, I use this uh, like meditation app and it has like a bunch of different meditations you can do. And a lot of them are, like, manifesting your ideal life, like, (laughs) manifesting the life that you want, where you, you know, you just, like, speak into being, like, the things that you, like, want your life to be. And I feel like Paramount just, like, manifested, the like, they're like, we're gonna make another Calvin movie timeline with all these people. And uh, we'll see if it actually happens because I guess uh, like they haven't actually like convinced everyone to do it. Yeah. Um, other than that, um, my other thoughts. Um, so the last picture I saw of Chris Pine, he has this like giant beard and like long hair. He's looking yes. super hot. I think um, I. I really want him to stay it, like, scraggly and have, like, hot, scruffy Kirk. Let's like, just, that, that would make me happy. Alright. So- so that's my only other thought. Scru- Scruffy Kirk, Scruffy Kirk 2023. 20,
1: <laughs> Hashtag. Excellent. Well, thank you, Rachel. I think that you speak for everyone of your generation when you say, give us Scruffy Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, well, so we'll get into the, the unexpected part of the announcement shortly. But, uh, Zachy. You, I know, have been banging the drum really ever since we started doing Discovery debrief <laughs> that Calvin Crew should come back for another go. Um, so this had to be pretty exciting for you, at least initially, I would imagine.
3: Yeah, well, uh, you see the headline; it says, "Oh, you know, Chris Pine and Crew coming back," and you're like, "Right on!" You know, and then you read the like in that article; it's like Paramount is ready to begin negotiations. I'm like, "Okay, well." that headline sort of got ahead of things. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm the cart before the horse. Very much so. Right. But I, I actually think it probably will end up happening. And I guess just Mark this moment in time, if I look like a jackass, but uh, I think paramount just sort of putting it all on front street, it sort of puts the onus on them um, to sort of get it done. And I, you know, uh, the, the initial article mentioned how they had done like focus group testing, and found that there was still an audience for this crew. And I, I have to imagine the the sort of the counterpoint that was offered for for the the people being focus grouped was like a brand new thing with the Star Trek label on it. Mm-hmm. And given that choice, it seems like a no brainer. Like you've got this, you've got it established, and the, that first JJ film is old enough now that you have to imagine that there is a lot of nostalgia for that and sort of it it almost would feel like a legacy sequel a little bit you know uh and it sure seems like a smarter bet than just putting the star trek label you know it reminds me of like in between enterprise and jj when rick berman was doing that thing star trek the beginning you remember that right yeah Yeah. and and you remember reading about it i it sounds like Mm -hmm. i mean it sounds intriguing but i remember thinking at the time like who like it's there's nothing for anybody to hang on to here who asked they, for this yeah you know exactly and and i feel like that would be the problem if they tried to just do like a made for the movie star trek and and so this is the smart play of if paramount now it's now that it's the re you know remerged paramount uh trying to reestablish star trek hey here it's it's what you know uh, back again, you know, and hopefully this time they spend less money on it. Uh, but I've, yeah, I've said from the beginning of the show, I'm like, look, pay Chris Pine what he wants. <laughs> you know, you guys made a deal with him, pay him what he wants, uh, because you, you Captain Kirk should be an unrecastable role. Somehow they did it, and and boy, you hang on to that. You know, I'm I'm curious
1: about your perspective, Zachy on whether or not the the corporate consolidation. The fact that so much of Paramount+, Plus, at least right now, before Halo comes out, is geared towards Star Trek, does that have anything to do with the equation of, of wanting to light something up for the silver screen again? What do you think? Oh, I,
3: I don't think there's any doubt. Yeah, I mean, that was always the problem, right? Is that for the duration of the previous three movies, Paramount was licensing Star Trek from CBS. So even if, like, when the movies did well, they were still paying a big chunk of that money to CBS, right? So now now that it's all in-house, it can make comparatively less, but they know that they can sort of spread that cost out because they'll see the return on it down the line and this is the thing about star trek once you i mean once you're in the franchise it's going to be an annuity for the company that owns it forever you know Mm -hmm. so like uh, you know for all the talk of like oh enterprise is a failure or whatever well you know what that was 100 episodes and they're still making money off it people still watching it you know and and that's so the best and it's funny because i'm so bipolar about this because i think i think these these corporate consolidations are absolute murder to art that said it's great for Star Trek that it happened. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's funny how that works. Yeah. Right,
3: right. Kyle's like, eh, maybe not. Yeah, well, I right. think just in terms of getting more content, I think if, yes. if that's what you want, uh, you're more likely to see it. Let's put it that way. Sure, sure. That's true.
1: Kyle, I'm going to come to you next. I want to throw it to Cicero first because I got, oh, yeah. que- I got a lot of questions to ask Kyle, and I'm, okay. I'm, I'm dying to know because, Cicero, you're – Sort of, I'll say rebirth as a Star Trek fan. Is that a fair assessment? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Why not? Predominant Definitely. films are the Kelvin films. I know yes. that uh, the last film didn't light your world on fire at first, Did but not. you seem to warm up to it the second sure. time that you saw it a little Definitely. bit more. Definitely. Um, but this, um, this has to just, especially because you've absorbed so much of this franchise and you've seen all of the highs and lows Including right. the Kelvin timeline up to this point, how does another Kelvin timeline film strike you? Is this what Star Trek needs right now?
2: I am living right now um, <laughs> at the at the news um, because it won't be a Tarantino film, right? <laughs> and and you know I I, I just I, I want to get these Mickey Ficky tribbles off my <laughs> Mickey Ficky Star Trek. Um, <laughs> So, so the news strikes me kind of like when you, like Zachy said, when you when you first hear the headline, you're like, oh, and then as you read the article, you're like, oh, right. And and as I read the article, this is what it made me think of. There's a new show on the NBC family of networks. Since we're talking about streaming services, I happen to watch this, sur- this show on Peacock, and the name of that this show is American Auto, and this the the premise of the show is. It's a dysfunctional, family-owned legacy uh, Detroit car company that is uh, the old CEO is gone. They brought in a new CEO that's outside of the family for the very first time, who's played by Anna G- Gasteyer from SNL. Um, but she comes from the pharmaceutical world. She has no idea what she's doing, and in the first, in the pilot episode, she has to run the earnings call which is it's going to be terrible, right? There's going to be terrible news in the earnings call and she doesn't want, you know, she doesn't want that smoke. So she decides that she's going to make an announcement that will, you know, shake up the industry and shake up the world and get people talking about the announcement and not the terrible news to associate her with the terrible news. And that's what I feel like is happening here, right? Yeah. We've got a new merger of a, of a new organization, basically this new newly formed Paramount company. That's, that's really going to kind of uh, hang its head on the fact that it's got this streaming service, Paramount plus. Uh, and they're trying to figure out a way to, um, not me too but me also themselves into being players in the cinematic world right where disney has star wars and marvel and warner has the dceu for whatever it's worth <laughs> paramount needs a franchise yeah. that will allow them to say we also are players in in the big budget big you know bombastic whatever whatever blockbusters are um, are redefined as in, in this post-COVID world, uh, we we have a player in that we, and, and that's these films, right? because they, they've got them they did te- the, the characters tested well and it wasn't because they didn't do another they didn't not do another movie. They didn't make a, they didn't not make a sequel <laughs> because the characters were bad. Right, or because people didn't love the characters, it was because the character, the the actors themselves were so good in their roles that they all became huge movie stars in their own right, and it was going to cost them too much to bring them back in. Mm-hmm. But I think now we've got we've gotten to a point that maybe they think they can figure out a way to <laughs> manipulate <laughs> something. In order to um, make it economically viable for all of these actors who are who are bigger stars now, presumably than they than they were when they when they last f- made a film in 2016, um, to do another film. But the real question for me is, where is this film going to live? Is it going direct to streaming? Will it be available in theaters? and streaming like a quiet place 2 or will it just be in theaters right yeah, because I, to me i think if it if it goes directly to streaming that's a way to continue to drive subscribers to your service sure well, I, you know, I
1: don't think people give J.J. Abrams enough credit for being a shrewd businessman. Uh, there was a story, I think it was in The rap back in 2013, that one of the things that, and, and I've referenced this before, one of the things that ended up pushing him into Star Wars was the fact that the corporate structure surrounding Star Trek was so fragmented that merchandising opportunities were actually relatively limited, and it cut him out of a fair amount of money.
2: Right, um, he, can't, he couldn't George Lucas it.
1: Yeah, he doesn't He doesn't talk about that very much. He just likes to talk about the mystery box and everything, and then he likes right. to go make The Rise of Skywalker. But um, <laughs> there's a movie. There's a movie for you. Is, but, it, uh, is it though? Uh, <laughs> uh, but either way, I mean, I have a hard time seeing Abrams. My point is I'd have a hard time seeing him sign off on anything if it was not theatrical primarily, but mm. remains to be seen. But as always, much appreciated. Kyle, before you get to the new movie, I just want to ask you about your perspectives on the Kelvin timeline because I can imagine that seeing the first film could have either made you very excited or totally mortified you. So if you wouldn't mind just kind of walking us through uh, your perspective on the three Kelvin timeline films and lead on up to... Is there a place for number four?
0: Uh, yeah, the 2009 film got me really excited. Uh, trailer was awesome. Uh, it was like a whole brand new spin. I was there for it. They they were speaking to me. I bought tickets. I sat my ass in a seat. It it was exactly as they planned, uh, and I enjoyed it. And um, you know, when Into Darkness came out, I just like that movie didn't work for me. And Beyond, I felt, was the weakest of the three, ironically, considering it had probably the more original or best structured story. Like, *Into was too much mystery box. And so going back to watch the 09 Star Trek, I just, the magic vanished really quickly. It was like cotton candy. And that's probably my best description of Abrams. Like, he's a stellar producer and, you know, visually... He can grab a whole bunch of people that know exactly what they're doing. It's a top-notch looking film. That the stories, the characters, the ingredients they put in there to me don't work very well. So they have not a those films have not aged very well for me. I consider that to be a rather weird corner of the Star Trek franchise. Um, I've recently rewatched them uh, within the last year or so, and it's it, 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 I feel even worse about it. It's kind of sad. So. But that being said, um, I don't think that the film series got any kind of conclusion. I always thought that at the very least, they should get some kind of wrap up where the situation with this alternate timeline is resolved. And I think that'd be, could, that could be fun creatively. Uh, but as Zachy was saying, from a business perspective, it makes total sense that Paramount is slamming down on this because like, it is their one horse in the stable, so to speak, right now. And uh they can't start with a brand new cast or crew. They have an established one and it makes total sense to, to to put their foot back in the game. And like he was saying, they're consolidated now. Paramount is now whole and they can make their profit will be a lot thicker, even if the film is cheaper. And that has something to do with it. And it was my, it was my impression that bad robot was the or the was the company that, they had set a line in the sand over a fourth film originally because of how much money they, they quote unquote, lost on beyond. Right. Mm. Um, Because like, you know, if you're not going to make this much money, then why should we put in this much money? And they're the ones who said, you know, we're not going to go over this amount. And then it's Abrams to a bunch of wall street people that said, no, no, we're doing one. So maybe, maybe that's a strategy to get people to, to talk. And if they can see the energy behind the headline, then maybe they'll green light it or maybe Abrams, maybe that wasn't meant to come out exactly. And he just cost, you know, bad robot and paramount a couple of extra mil because Chris Pine, he's expensive. (laughs) Oh, and it's not, it's not put the cart before the horse. It's put the, I wrote this down the scruff before the pine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, no, I, I, I can't argue with, uh, with your reasoning. It's, In terms of my own perspectives, I tend to uh, prefer Star Trek Beyond, actually, in comparison to all three of them, because it feels the most descended from an episode of TOS, which is my favorite Star Trek series. So the fact that it was uh, doing something that felt a little more traditionally episodic with a bigger budget... While also making what I found to be really engaging references to uh, to Canon, particularly Enterprise era Canon, everything combined really well for me. I, I watched that movie twice in the theater, um, and the the theater was virtually empty both times, which was not <laughs> a good sign. Same thing happened when I watched Dread. I love the movie, and no one saw it. Um,
2: I love Dread. Dread was great. Dread was awesome, man. That was was a movie
1: that, watching it in 3D with all the drug stuff during the middle of it, it's like the movie got high for you. That's the only movie I've ever watched where 3D actually was a benefit instead of a distraction, just personally. (laughs) But um, with Star Trek Beyond, it seemed like they had opened up a reasonably uh, interesting path forward for the characters that had ejected um from the the previous trappings that we had seen in the other two films um so it hit me at the right moment i it's not a movie i've revisited very much in the intervening almost 6 years now but i just i have fond memories of it um the thing that i can't help but think about is that there has been a, the very recent development of a new subgenre of uh of blockbuster filmmaking and that's the multiversal incursion and I have to wonder if Paramount is paying attention to the the critical acclaim of Into the Spider-Verse, the critical and financial acclaim of Spider-Man No Way Home, if they have eyes on The Flash because we're going to get Michael Keaton's Batman again and another multiversal incursion. Uh, a sequel is coming to Into the Spider-Verse. Um, these walls between the previously segmented Portions of canon within certain properties are starting to erode a bit more and the audiences are certainly sophisticated enough to understand that Michael Keaton's Batman is not Christian Bale's Batman is not Ben Affleck's Batman. Um, Is that coming for Star Trek next? Can it come for Star Trek next or even should it come for Star Trek next? I
0: mean, I'd argue it's been before the rest of them.
1: Yeah, I I mean, yeah, because it has been.
0: Yeah, Star Trek um, Star Trek did this first with Camp in a Plum.
2: That's true. And goatees. As uh, as with most teams, Yeah.
1: No, but but I mean, um on a scale especially since the the franchise has been built up so much on on the television side, uh Zaki, do you see any realistic instance in which uh Alex Kurtzman and JJ Abrams have some kind of a multiversal collaboration with the Star Trek universe.
3: Well, my understanding is that Discovery has acknowledged the existence of the Kelvin timeline. Yes, it has. And so now we know that the door swings in both directions. So I mean, whether that's part of a long term plan, we know that the possibility exists, you know, and I, I, I have to think that it's. It, I don't think it would be a particular like a, a marquee event the same way, say Spider Man No Way Home has been. If we have like the Kelvin crew, the Kelvin Enterprise crew meet, you know, uh, you know, uh, Picard or something. I just don't think it would. You know, it, like like when we were uh, younger, you know, Generations was a big deal. I just don't think Star Trek has that same cachet today. But I think the possibility exists to to have something like that happen in one of the shows or something and have it be something that pays for for the entire brand. And I think that's just good in general, because all this time, the, the Kelvin movies have been sort of siloed. And, you know, I think I think there there is there are aspects of those films that it would be fun to see, see uh, play back and forth, you know? I mean, uh, I don't know. Just, I'm curious. Like we, we know that there is a next generation era in the Kelvin timeline. I'd love to see that elucidated some more. That's intriguing to me. Yeah. Yeah, sure.
1: Rachel, creative
3: potential or too gimmicky for
1: Ethan Peck and Zachary Quinto's Spock's to me.
4: <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't, I feel like my my first instinct is I don't want to see that, like, it's, hmm. I don't know. I just, <laughs> because Spock, like, Leonard Nimoy, Spock was such a big part of the 2009 movie, and just, like, he's such a, like, linchpin of a whole narrative crux of the of the series i just feel like it's it's too many spocks,
0: um, <laughs> too many spocks too can, many Spock. can we rename the franchise to too many spots <laughs> <Too many Spocks. laughs> um
4: yeah i i just okay i look, don't know like i feel like they already did that
1: another another creative proposal then i'm writing my own script you guys okay right. go for it. writing if, it
4: if they do any of these things can you sue them no Oh, absolutely not <laughs> we don't have no proof they didn't steal from you
1: we don't have proof that we did either though <laughs> Fair. chris pines kirk goes through a rather debilitating and horrifying loss for bruce greenwood's pike chris pine face to face with anson mount in some
0: respect that that would be cool not yeah. gonna lie that would be very cool Could and too expensive
4: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah, probably too expensive.
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know. It just, I guess, the last time that we had solid news about a fourth Kelvin timeline movie, the the primary uh, data point that percolated to the top and that was discussed in the trades specifically, and even among some of the cast members, was it was going to be Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth, and there was going to be some sort of temporal incursion that led Kirk to meet his father. Can that be uh, appropriately expanded to accommodate a multiverse? That's what I guess. That's my general question to the panel.
2: Star Trek Generations Two, Transporter Boogaloo, yeah,
4: and and, and Kirk dies uh, like (laughs) with a bridge again somehow.
0: Hey, some things (laughs) tragically never change. Uh, My my (laughs) impression my impression from watching what the Star Trek franchise has been doing lately, they're taking a lot of notes from, from other blockbusters. They want to play in that field. If there is a fourth movie, they're going to make damn sure that there's enough hooks in there that they can springboard a whole bunch of other stuff. If they can cross over or reference the current shows. Oh, they will. I think they will. If they could hint at another feature film, I think they're not going to squander their chance to try and expand. It's sure. a it's a McDonald's. You got to you got to build McDonald's, right? Right. You got to. right. Damn. Right.
1: Well, uh Cicero, yes. I know you're another big Star Wars fan. Yes. I
2: actually don't know how you feel about The Rise of Skywalker. Um you mean the uh Seinfeld finale <laughs> of Star Star Wars films?
1: Oh, um, there you have it. Um <laughs>
2: No, it's too. fine. I mean, like, one of my
1: best friends, huge Star Wars fan, loves The yes. Rise of Skywalker. We are like two rabid dogs trying when we fight over <laughs> The Last Jedi because I love that movie and yeah. he just absolutely yeah. hates it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think that it's generally observable that the critical reception to The Rise of Skywalker was mixed at best. Yes. Uh, and I don't think JJ's used to that. He hasn't really talked yeah. about it in the years since, and I don't really blame him but as a big star wars fan yourself right. um and with the critical acclaim that i know that abrams had become accustomed to yes is he motivated to let this cook in the oven a little bit more if it actually comes to fruition
2: um i i think he's motivated to make something that makes people stand up and pay attention right and i think kyle's analogy of cotton candy is is very, very apt because this isn't going to be very popular, but I love the Avengers. I love the Avengers film. I don't think the story's good. Um, I I I think it is it means it means more to me than the film is good to me. Uh in just just in the sense that. I know going into that film that there was just a lot of doubt that it could actually be accomplished at that, at that scale. And the fact that the feet like that, the fact that he didn't fall on his face was enough to make it seem. Oh, okay. But the fact that you like stood up and cheered and smiled and, 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 uh, you know, laughed and cried and stuff like that, and had an enjoyable time with your as you were stuffing popcorn in your face, made you feel like, or at least made me feel like, damn, this was a hell of a movie. And um, in retrospect, it wasn't a hell of a movie. It was a fun film, and I think the Star Trek films were fun films. The Force Awakens
0: was a fun film,
2: but not a good film.
0: Yeah, it's he's very kinetic. Like right, the visuals right. pop. There's so much fun yes. to look at.
2: Yes, um, and and that is that <laughs> that is um, something that I think you know, like it, it's it's almost like he's a showman. He is a showman. JJ is a showman, right? He's he's PT Barnum uh, in in a sea of of uh non PT Barnums, right? Like he he comes out and he <laughs> he just he gives you something and you're like, "Oh man, that was great. But wait a minute. But oh yeah, you know what the hell it, is? it was great." Um and I think that he'll be able to do that again, right? Like he'll be able to give us something that is the Star Trek sci-fi equivalent to a Fast and Furious movie, right? Ah. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and, you know, we're going to go uh, a quarter sector at a time, live our lives a quarter sector at a time. And uh, and then, you know, when it's when it's done, we hit credits, we say family and we get ready to reset it and do it again, you know, in a couple of years. Sure.
1: Zachy, um, considering the, the circles that you travel in and how much, uh, you have to observe just in, in your writing, uh, in terms of the film industry, uh, is the rise of Skywalker's critical reception. Do you think hanging over JJ Abrams at all? And what, I actually don't know if I've ever even asked you what
3: you thought of that film. (laughs) I, I. (laughs) I'm somewhere between uh, Cicero and and your friend. I uh, I'm like there's parts of it that I really like. I think there's parts of it that could have been better. But I'm just sort of I've I've reached a point when it comes to these sequels where I'm like you know my experience with Star Wars. Is so wound up and tied up with those original three films. I'm never expecting anything else to make me feel that way, yeah. and so I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, this is Star Wars, but it's something different. So I just sort of take it as that, you know. And I, I've said this before, and I and this is not meant as like a, a cop out, but I mean, I experience, uh, I experience this other stuff through my kids, you know, and they sort of take it at face value. And I appreciate that they're able to do that, you know right. uh, i I grew to appreciate the prequels through them, and I feel like twenty years from now we'll probably have something similar happen with the sequels where the kids who grow up with them just like them for what they are. I think, unfortunately, I mean, the, the original sin of the of the sequel trilogy is that they didn't sit down with a clear map of like where it was headed and how it was going to end up. And that's such an obvious thing. Like, how does how does nobody at the decision making stage say, all right, uh, how does this thing end? You know? Right. And, and and so JJ, I mean, what happened is is JJ made movie one or movie seven, and then he headed for the hills. And he's like, "Hey, have fun figuring that shit out." And then and then, and then they came back to him like, "Hey, so funny story. You got to wrap it up." And then he's like, "Oh, damn." Right? <laughs> and 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 it shows, right? I mean, you can see the seams. But you know, yeah. honestly, what I say about about Rise of Skywalker, like the 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 complaint about uh, Rey and her parentage and all that, and I, I, what I said at the time, and I still feel this way. I'm like, if the bar is Return of the Jedi in terms of like sort of ridiculous family reveals, um, as far as like Leia suddenly being Luke's sister, I'm like, well, this is like in that same neighborhood, and we're all fine with Luke and Leia because that's just something we grew up with. I feel like eventually people are going to be fine with Rey being whatever she is except that we have to think about Palpatine having done it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know is what? Thank you
0: for putting that image in my head. <laughs>
2: Oh pelty
3: <laughs> So well, I I I strike I, me down <laughs> There's stuff in Rise of Skywalker that I really like and that makes me look past the stuff that I don't There you go very short way of saying everything that I just said
1: So in in knowing that and just
3: in in terms of your
1: own perspective, but also in, in the perspective shared largely by the general critical reception, do you think that's informing any of what Abrams might do in whatever capacity he ends up serving in Star Trek four?
3: That's a good question. You know, I, I think that JJ is cognizant of what a, What a shit experience Rise of Skywalker was. I don't think he walked out of that going, well, that went well. Right. (laughs) So, you know what I mean? So, I feel like if anything, he wants to ensure that he's never in that position again. Right. That should be like job one. Make sure he's not being just given a bag of flaming poop and being told, hey, do something with this, you know?
1: Throw it in the river. Yeah. No, you can't. You have to hold it. You have to hold it until the end. <laughs> That's right.
0: Oh man. No, he's it's, he's yeah. rich. He's rich. He just hire yes. a writer this time. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't write it yourself, Abrams. Just hire but, somebody. But, but I
3: mean but Rise I of get Skywalker. The, I get the credit. <laughs> Chris Terrio uh, you know, wrote the script and he's he's not a bad writer. Um, I it's yeah. such a weird I mean that that movie Had a whole bunch of issues. Some things that were just unavoidable, like how do you work around Carrie Fisher, you know? And and I sort of look at what they did with Leia and say, well, it's not ideal, but my God, what a what a lift that was to have to figure out a way to incorporate her, you know? I mean, she's like an NPC in that in that film, right? Uh, But. But, I mean, th- think about the work, like let's go through, let's find a way to weave her in. and I mean that uh, that's an unenviable task, you know oh, yeah. sure yeah well, um I guess
1: I'm a little concerned that Abram's involvement with Star Trek is continuing, frankly. <laughs> um, how
4: do you know he's gonna drag like
3: I well, think no, we don't produce. we don't
1: yeah I well, mean it, but he well, was also he, they, just
3: going to produce. They, they have Stonewall. a director, right? It's Matt, Matt Shackman. Yeah. They, yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What has he done again? He did uh, WandaVision. Yeah.
1: So, I yeah, mean, th- 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 that could be good. I guess just, I'm not sure if I want him in front of the Star Trek movie ship anymore. And maybe he'll prove me wrong. You know, I'm a bitter fanboy, and maybe I'm putting a little too much weight on literally the only Star Wars movie I don't like. But, but no, no, put um,
0: more weight, man. He, he, Abrams has a track record. Did you see the ending of Lost? You guys remember? Actually, that? no, right. I didn't, but she did. Uh, did uh,
4: I? I don't know. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I did. There, you uh, the yeah. there you go. Right.
0: The church. There you go. No, the last Abrams I movie I really I adored is Regarding Henry. Wow! <laughs> oh, wow!
3: All right. uh, there you go. I I do wonder if you know the cast is famously loyal to JJ Abrams. So I think yeah. part of his his presence sort of front and center maybe uh to sort of in, incentivize the cast to come back uh you know cuz he's the one who brought them together they're all very right. close they remain close so right. i feel like right. there's some of that at play here you know i think we said earlier like i do think the cast will eventually come back and i think i think abram's being the guy being like no no we're getting the whole band back together i think that's part right. of that mhm right yeah and
2: don't don't get me wrong i personally i think uh Abrams is the is a right person to to direct these films or or to to have some type of uh, narrative leadership spirit uh, uh, stewardship of. Um, it's it's I think that the way, movie going audiences are right now that you kind of do need a little bit of star Wars in your star Trek in order for it to be uh, the type of blockbuster that you, that they want it to be right. Like you can't make search for Spock, right? You can't make search for Spock and make uh end game money. You can't even make Thor of the dark world money that's my problem with it with search search for Spock.
0: well no no just just the 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 height that they're trying to reach toward everyone wants the marvel crown like
2: but but yeah but that's but that's you know but that's why this is happening right that that is why this is that is why this is happening so if if we concede that the reason that this is going to happen is because that paramount wants to be able to to have a, a have a a dog in this fight then we have to acknowledge what that dog what attributes that dog needs to have right that they'll approve and it and it's not it's not the thought provoking um deeply introspective type of star trek that we got from the motion picture or or from you know search from spock or even even uh undiscovered country right like like these are these are things that you're not going to get in a new Star Trek. You, hell, you're not even going to get first contact. Right? First contact was a great film. That if it if it if the choice was we can make another first contact or we can try and figure out if we can make our version of Endgame or Black Panther or something like that, they're going to choose that right like star trek black panther every single time you uh, yeah, well, well but we saw season
1: two of tng right i mean it's not going to be like that right yeah right right yeah episode, oh oh,
2: go.
0: season one, episode yeah, three that, that was, yeah well kind of plan had planned. some well, strong rise of skywalk energy Kyle, oh, you man. were
1: shaking your head so much i was worried you were going to break your own neck so oh, no, really. <laughs> but then i was also
0: nodding my head because he's he's i i that's the biggest problem I have with the Trek franchise right now, but he's right that that's what they want. That's what they're going for. And if that's what, if that's the kind of money they want to make, they want to inject some Marvel slash star Wars into it a hundred percent. And Abrams is the right guy. If they're going to do another Abrams verse film, if they get anybody else, it's going to have a weird different energy. They need, they need right. to have him somewhere touching the plate so that it has some of the same tone. Right. Um, or else you you really scare people away, I guess.
1: Well, okay, here I I hate to be a downer. I really do. <laughs> but I, I want to know what you guys think of, of an observation that I have I feel like I've made pretty recently, and that's just that whatever they decide to do with this movie is destined to fail. Like on the at or near Star Trek Beyond levels, and here's why. The, move, the, the major studios that are seeking that kind of Marvel recognition are doing so with established IP. Star Trek is a very unique established IP because there has been so many permutations of the franchise. Uh, the reason that the 2009 movie caught on as strongly as it did in comparison to recent Star Trek films of the time uh, at least in my estimation, is because they decided to go with the version of Star Trek that was most instantly recognizable in popular culture. And that's the original series. People, people don't say, T. Earl Grey hot, they say, Be me up, Scotty, right? Like that's right. the one that's most embedded in the consciousness. We're in a very, very strange situation now because we have this cast that has been established in those previous three movies. Um, But there has been so much time now that has passed. I don't know if there's necessarily a guarantee that a Kelvin timeline movie is going to bring back the audience of the 2009 movie and to to a lesser degree, the 2013 film. But they are boxed into a corner so much because the transition to the next generation films back in 1994 had the advantage of having both casts around TNG was coming off of a seven year run on television they were the heirs apparent to the Star Trek franchise in transitioning onto the big screen no such heir apparent exists now you cannot say that the cast of discovery the cast of maybe I mean Picard to a lesser degree because it's led by Patrick Stewart but I don't think the the um, the motivation is there to bring the, the Picard cast certainly. Uh, onto the big screen unless they decided to do a TNG reunion film, which doesn't seem like it's on the table as a legacy (laughs) sequel. Uh, The DS9 cast, a principal member of that cast, is no longer with us. We can't really get any practical. But really, DS9 is probably arguably less monetarily marketable as a permutation of the Star Trek franchise. Um, And I don't think that there's enough of a pop culture uh, embeddedness in either Voyager or Enterprise. You need to go to TOS. TOS is still the most recognizable in terms of popular culture, not just because of the original series now, but also because of the Kelvin films. Any new iteration of Star Trek, like my immediate reaction to hearing that there's going to be a fourth film was, well, that's cool, but I was kind of hoping for something new. But because they want to go for the recognizable IP in every instance, there's nowhere to go.
0: I, I think Whoa. I think you're right it's going to fail unless they do this whole multiverse thing. If they can grab if they could put Patrick Stewart in the same movie with Chris Pine and add-in like Jane Way, I think people would probably turn up. I think they'd pro- some people would probably camp outside the theaters. It'd be it'd be 45 year olds, but they'd be they'd be there. <laughs>
4: 45 uh, year olds so, aren't going to movies right now <laughs> Right. Well, That's right. yeah. <laughs> yeah hey,
2: right. Hey, here's a 45 year old. I'm staying my happy ass in the house.
4: Yeah. Right. So, so,
2: and 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 because I'm say because I'm a 45 year old, um, I'm gonna say two things. Right. The first is that it's part of the reason. Exactly what Kyle said is part of the reason, and and exactly what you said, Chris, is part of the reason that I believe that where they should be spending their marketing energy is creating a film that they can put on their streaming service day and date with the theater. Theater is an option. Well, okay, but, Cesar, but, but let
1: me let me just point out to one of the yes. previous conversations that you and I had, and, right. and Zachy, I believe you were part of as well. Um, we all had seemed to agree, like in the immediate aftermath of Star Trek Beyond, right when Discovery started, is that right. Paramount needs to scale back. Like they can still make money. They just won't make all the money. If Star Trek films cost half as much and come out in November, but that's traditionally where a lot of the major audiences for Trek films in eras past, admittedly, but those movies made money to the satisfaction of the studio at the time. Why must they aim at two to $300 million films when the franchise has historically been supported very well? by going a little bit smaller and working within those restrictions
4: because you don't you can't make those movies now like the like and and have them be a theatrical success like it's just not happening
2: you I, can't go to the 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 like movie studio party right where where you guys are having your your party in and, and and they're they're lighting their cigars with hundred dollar bills. There's an exception to this rule. I just thought of it. There's an exception to
1: this rule. A movie that Uh, was made on a very comparatively small budget with a recognizable IP that made a boatload of money.
4: What are you talking about? Joker.
1: Joker did it. Joker was made for what, like $50 million and it ended up getting close to a billion dollars. And I mean, granted there's a lot of things Moving in that movie's favor in terms of the performance and uh, and the mystique that was created around its production and the fact that the character is very uh, associated with uh, with now mythological performances stemming from Heath Ledger. No, but it's recognizable and there's no reason to think, at least I don't believe that it couldn't have solid success on a smaller budget.
2: No, yeah, I, but they're I, not I, making. They're not making Worf, right? They're well, not no. going to make, right? They're not going to make Much uh, as all of
1: us would want it. By the way,
2: right, 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 right. They're not going to make uh, Khan the yeah. film, right? They, I mean, they a, could. A, a two hour movie of
1: Worf's existential crisis after murdering Gowron.
2: Make that movie. Yeah, well, I'm well, already but, there. But but, but <laughs> I bought right. the tickets. But but that <laughs> is. But see, but that stuff that you can make and put on, on your on Paramount Plus on, on right. Paramount Plus, right? Just yeah. like this film. And if you if you make the film a a uh big budget for streaming like f- perfect example uh that stupid Will Smith film Bright that oh, that yeah. that was on yeah. Netflix, yeah. right? That had a pretty sizable budget for a netflix film if you could use a similar style budget for the a star trek film starring chris pine and uh and zachary quinto and uh you know zoe saldana and you know and all of these people that are recognizable and, and bankable you're going to get people to sign up for your service if they're not already part of your service And that's the I, ultimate
0: I, thing that paramount wants
2: and that's the ultimate thing that paramount wants right they want people to continue like that is so and that's what i keep talking about like there is a new kind of uh uh, financial idea about how like what a successful film is because they're they're starting to see like all right i can try and sell my my movie to go into the theater but really, what it's all about is this: the streaming service. You need a streaming service. You need subscribers. <clears throat> you need recurring revenue.
0: Yeah, I'm I, I'm on the ground in productions. I, I I aspire. I work. I just got off this really cool samurai film. Um, nobody's talking about theaters. Everyone wishes we could. Right. Me, if I get to make a feature or something like, if it goes straight to to to. To Hulu, I'll be like, yes, we're done. Yes. Like yep. theaters are not even in the equation anymore. Sure.
2: No. Yeah. Right. And and you know, to the point where, right? Like, who's getting the most emmy noms? Who's getting the most Oscar noms now? Right? It's it's they're it's not major studios, it's mm-hmm. Netflix. It's Hulu. Zachy, um,
1: please tell me I'm wrong that this franchise, in my perspective, that this franchise has nowhere to go.
3: There are always possibilities,
0: Chris. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that was excellent.
0: Hey, we could remake the Gorn encounter and put Chris Pine in there, right? That'll put some butts in seats.
1: If <laughs> they already did that in the video game that came
3: out in 2013, and they did it poorly, but <laughs> forget that. I, I, I feel like uh, you know the the history of of this franchise has been one of. Taking really big swings and maybe it doesn't succeed. And then coming back a couple years later with something different and, and uh, you know, turning death into a fighting chance to live. Right. I mean, that's what star Trek two was. It was a TV movie that was so damn good. They were like, we got to release this to theaters. Um, right. So I feel like with this new film, the way forward in my opinion is to tell a, a smaller scale story that has big emotional stakes, something on par with wrath of Khan, as opposed to whatever into darkness is trying to be and, and sort of play the long game in terms of, you know, maybe it's not a massive blockbuster theatrically, but make a movie that, that you spend enough that it, it it can do all right in theaters without embarrassing itself. And then, and then, you know, because it's Star Trek, it gets to be part of, Uh, you know, the catalog and they get to keep making money off of it for for decades to come. You know, that's I, I would I would hope the you know rather than you know holding up the studio for money you know maybe they come to some kind of agreement where it's like take a little less money up front get a cut of the gross you know the 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 deal making that has to happen i i feel like that would probably be necessary mm. uh, because uh, to the point that we, i mean you know pretty much everybody in the cast has an asking price that's substantially more than like what you know like with the old movies it was really we got to get nemo and shatner and and then you know george takei Everybody will show else. up right. which, no disrespect to george takei but <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know what i mean i, I think here everybody's got oh an asking price now you know yeah no that's right that's I,
0: yeah. I, I think it needs some fresh blood and i I'm, I've, I've gotten more jaded in, in my old age and i think that star trek 2 is a really great analogy like that was it was a completely brand new team harv bennett had never seen an episode he watched the whole series uh you know the, the director of that film came in kind of fresh with his own ideas and just sort of poured a new vintage in the bottle. And we've got this vintage Abrams verse and the Kurtzman era are all of a piece. It's a particular vintage and we've been with it for mm-hmm. long enough now to where we all have our own opinions about it. If a fourth Abrams verse movie comes out, half of the fans will probably be like, yeah, maybe I'll see it. We're, we're at that stage. And half of us will be mm-hmm. really excited. I was really excited about the Noah Hawley film that they were talking about because uh, it would have been completely, you know, a different vibe. And I'm, I'm ready for something different personally.
2: And I don't, I don't know and if Star Trek IV is, is going to do it. And that is why we need a Tarantino film.
0: <laughs> oh,
2: it would be God. different. Say
4: <laughs> what you will. It will
0: be right. different. <laughs> oh boy. Did you read I the article mean, that you, came out last week about Did you read
3: the the the, the premise? I mean it sounded <laughs> pretty awful. <laughs> really get out of here! No, no, it was—he no,
0: was, was going to turn into a gang. He he his—the episode he referenced was the gangster episode of the, of the series. He wanted
3: to do a piece of the action, like yeah. <laughs> no that, man, it doesn't
1: seem like something you blow up
3: into a movie. But it was going to be like a half-hour sequence where they're all playing fizzbin. Yep <laughs> Oh man, wait for the dance break! Are you kidding me? This is. Well, did N word what? You know,
2: <laughs> I was about to say.
3: <laughs> just waiting for somebody in the Enterprise crew to say the N word and be like, "Okay, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Quentin, come on." Uh, listen, geez.
0: listen, it's his own fault. He he makes this a very similar style of movie every time yes. he's out. Every time, and you, that's his brand. Time. And then he's going to show up yeah. for. I know he can do different things. He directed an episode of er It doesn't right. feel like a Tarantino movie. Um he can he CSI can, he did also. Yeah, CSI he can he can play ball. I just mm. I just don't believe him when it comes to future. We're yeah. going to be movies. these
3: awkward shots of Zoe Saldana's feet. Right. No, yeah. God, <laughs> you're right. Oh.
0: No, no, no. No, no. Uh, that's the real reason you wanted to do the movie. Alien feet.
4: Oh, here you go. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> oh, it always has
0: to get weird.
2: Uh, they
4: visit uh, a shoe shop at <laughs> There's a 30-minute right. sequence in there. <laughs> <laughs> don't
0: shot. wear shoes, Captain. It's only logical.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, hey, you packed a lot of exposition into it, at least, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. Rachel, there was something that when I was going through my uh, my rant and yelled out Joker, which now I'm not proud of, uh, <laughs> I bowled over what you wanted to say. So no, I, wanted I to just, make-
4: like you were talking about how I was desperate. Destined to fail. And I just like was flashing back to like what were these focus groups that they did? And I yeah, like these focus groups where they're like apparently it the uh the Calvin cast tests really well against unknown whatever. And then they were like <laughs> super excited about this that the focus groups liked the cast that they knew over like some unknown cast i guess amorphous amorphous yeah and i'm like what evidence is that for anything like i it's just like you know like newsflash guys people like stuff that they liked
0: yeah that's why everyone's everyone's so excited (laughs) about picard when he came back you know Yeah, yeah i
4: know i mean it's just like the the studios all have a very familiar formula and it's like let's take something that people liked in the past (laughs) <laughs> and we're going to make it into an action movie, even if it wasn't an action movie. <clears throat> Ghostbusters, <laughs> or,
0: or turn, it, or turn um. it into a comedy like Baywatch or something right i guess
2: uh, yeah um how would you how would you feel chris uh because you you said t o s is most recognizable the characters from t o s are most recognizable and i don't i don't think that you'd get a lot of argument from uh from most people where, where i am i'm not gonna push back, i'm just gonna nudge a little please um is is in the in the fact that the old folks now are people that are around my age, right? Like Gen Gen X's and older ge- geriatric millennials are the are the are the you know like the predominant old folks now, right? Like uh and for that group our trek predominantly is Engage is
0: make it so TNG and not be me up. It's Earl Grey We all know what that means.
2: Right. And and uh I think that there is there is room since we're talking reboots and stuff like that, there is room potentially for a Kelvin verse TNG. How would you feel about that? How would you feel about the TNG cast being rebooted? I'm not inherently against that,
1: as long as uh, there there is a new perspective that someone can potentially bring to it. Like, I don't think that's something you go to J.J. Abrams for. No, that no, 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 not at all. I mean, I, I the TNG characters are. Uh, they're really great and and probably arguably far better developed than the TOS characters are. Yeah. They had more yeah, time I mean, on television. Seven, seven seasons. Yeah. yeah the, uh, the more, the more time on television I think is critical to the development of those characters and their films aimed to be deeper character studies. Some of them succeeded. Some of them failed. Half of them succeeded. Half of them failed. I think that's pretty <laughs> safe to say. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I like insurrection more than most people, but uh, <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> it's an episode. It's a feature-length episode. Like That's cool. can be used as a
0: flotation device. <laughs> okay, I'm just look.
1: It was a huge. I've said before. No, no, no. own it. Sure.
0: it. Own it, man. Own, own it. it. Right. Yes. It's you like it you, like
1: it. you like. It was during the, a TNG movie that took place during the Dominion War. Like, if that movie was be- if if all of the same machinations for Star Trek existed in this moment with this blockbuster climate the third TNG movie would have been a dominion war crossover and it would have been awesome, but we didn't get that, you know, but that's neither here nor there. A Kelvin verse TNG is a concept with promise. As long as someone can bring the, the appropriate aptitude for it, I wouldn't even begin to guess who you would even get for Jean-Luc Picard. Tom Hardy.
4: He's the right age. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Is he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Patrick yeah. Stewart
0: was like 40 something when he started right. in 86, 87. Oh my god, I, right. I guess you're right. Well, yeah. or, or James McAvoy. <laughs>
2: There you
1: go. Get it yeah.
3: once, <laughs> and, right? But you know, it's, a, it's
2: contractually obligated <laughs> yeah. to have Patrick do <laughs> 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 And
1: I mean, in terms of like next steps, look, the TNG cast—we're fortunate in that they're all still around. Um, and I don't think it would take a dump truck full of money to get them involved in a new Star Trek film. But I just don't trust Paramount with that kind yeah. of a legacy sequel. It always just seems like whenever the, the pieces are present and you could do it, they just decide to do something different. Yeah, And um, I mean, even if a legacy sequel involving the TNG cast, potentially alongside the Kelvin cast, that would be something I could probably get excited about. I still don't know if TNG is as embedded, even now, as TOS, even among members of your generation. There's just, there seems to be something that's stylistically popular about the 1960s that is not at least currently as much as popular as the 1980s. Like there's an aesthetic that is predominant. And even with these longer lived franchises, including comics franchises, like they sell comic covers from the 50s and 60s on t shirts and posters. And they do the same thing for Star Trek. And you don't see that as much when it comes to, unless you're talking like the X-Men, like the X-Men are just in their own little world, right? Right. 80s X-Men is definitive X-Men for good reason. But um, I don't know. I mean, it's not a concept I'm inherently against, but uh, I guess I just want to see, I, I want to see the stewards of the Star Trek franchise aim higher because the franchise deserves nothing less than that. It, it, yeah. it is not just another action movie franchise. There is a beating heart at the center of it and the best Star Trek gives service to uh, to ideas in addition to being exciting. That's all the, the Star Trek perfect Star Trek is the marriage between those two things something that can make you think while getting your blood pumping. And I'm just not sure uh, if they have a path in that direction at the moment.
0: I, I think that this potential fourth Abrams verse film, like the paradigm of how Trek produces movies is gone now. Like a TV show that cast graduates to the silver screen, like that's all dead. And they're taking a real big swing on the formats that they're involved in. Now, if they're going to play with another film, they're going to have to really swing for the fences, whatever they do. Yeah. Agreed. Not sure. Not sure what you can do.
1: Yeah. But not to end things on a down note. uh, I would be very, very happy to be proven wrong. You know, like even if it's a movie that comes out and I don't necessarily like it all that much, but it just hits it out of the park in terms of box office dollars and popularity that will fuel more Star Trek. So I'm OK with that uh, if it leads to even if, the, if I don't think the movie is very good, if it leads to potentially better narrative content at some point down the road and reinforces the confidence that the owners have in it, that's still a good outcome. Um, because there's just a the kind of storytelling that you can do with Star Trek that you can't do with anything else. So more Star Trek is always going to be preferable to less.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: that's my, that's my take. Does anybody have anything to add before we dismiss for the night?
2: Oh, please, Kyle, go ahead.
0: Uh, Star Trek fourteen, too many Spocks. <laughs> <laughs> a, 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 mul- a Netflix multiverse, choose please. your own adventure.
3: Wow! <laughs> Ambitious. Sign me up,
1: Zachy. Is there any any final word you want to leave, and and potentially to to dash my cynicism? Because you're good at that, and I would be more than happy if you were capable of doing that tonight.
3: <laughs> well, I, I I I'm not certain that that it's destined to fail. You know, I I think going back to what I said earlier, I think there is a lot of residual goodwill that uh this cast has that i think there has been enough time now that were they to come out with it again the key here you, you got to budget it modestly that's really going to be the ball game but i feel like there is enough of this like hey, you know it's been a while like we miss those guys i feel like people would go see it mm-hmm. uh enough to justify the effort to, to make it happen you know sure and and i i you know, when you think about it, I mean, it's been long enough as far as like switching things up, uh, you know, going to, to what Kyle was saying about having a, uh, an entirely new approach. We're, we're obviously not getting that. But I'd like to see, you know, visually, you know, a new set of uniforms that look closer to the, 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 the Trek two and beyond movie uniforms, you know, something that acknowledges mm. the passage of time. I, that's what I'd like to see mm. is we're past the five-year mission and essentially do you know do the reunion movie what what brings these characters back together that's what i want to see uh, as a way to just mix it up so that it's not just oh and it's another adventure of the enterprise often space doing like well have something happen that pulls everybody back together we did get that movie right we got the the the, the episodic adventure out of this yeah, i think i think beyond is that mm-hmm. and uh, now yeah, i mean again it's crazy when you think about it because from 09 to, to now assuming this thing comes out next year that's that's longer than the TOS movie era <laughs> you yeah, know right right really? really? it's nuts yeah cuz right. cuz that was like 79 to 91 yeah oh wow yeah it yeah, is
1: weird we're just on a much longer runways now My yeah um, yeah well said <laughs> rachel any final thoughts scruffy scruffy <laughs>
3: scruffy <laughs> <Kirk>. one book <laughs> <puff laughs> for scruffy <laughs>
1: scruffy's gonna die the way he lived (laughs) on a bridge
2: bridge. (laughs) cicero my friend take us home please i I think i think um there is room for another abrams film i'm excited for it um i think i'll have a lot of fun with it right i i think i'm going to um enjoy lots of popcorn and maybe a ca- carbonated, uh, beverage perhaps in, a, in an enterprise shaped bucket, perhaps in an enterprise, an enterprise bucket. That's a thing. Now. Um, but hopefully from the, uh, lounged out in the luxurious couch that I have, a Hercules, uh, reclining couch that I have listening to it on, uh, my home theater system as opposed to the theater system in an actual theater because I don't go to those anymore. (laughs) And um, I I hope that Paramount starts to realize that and can make a film that is both is a big budget streaming film, right? Like let's redefine what the blockbuster is, right? And we can start, Clamping down like we don't have to make four hundred million dollar right. films all the time, right? Right. Um, we can make one hundred and fifty million dollar blockbusters if the medium is is more intimate, mm-hmm. and and then you know then everything is successful, right? Then like then you can you can manage success, and I think if they think about it in that from that perspective they can have a dog in the fight that is that is feisty and and just as capable as the the rest of those dogs a dog that they can be proud of even though it seems smaller um it's it's something that's more manageable also this here's a not not a star trek thing but but we'll say this they do that paramount plus becomes a success that halo show becomes a success then you talk about the Halo Cinematic universe being available on Paramount Plus as well. Already renewed for season two. <laughs> nice.
1: Yeah.
0: All well, right. Well, if you're listening, I can make your movie for 50 million. Contact me. <laughs> right.
3: <laughs>
4: I'm ready. My body's ready. He's, there you he's go. He's
1: right there. And he's right there. He he could do it. Absolutely. Right. Too
4: many spots.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, that was a great conversation. Zachy, thank you again for, for coming back and joining us. Uh, and thank Kyle, you. thank you once again for joining us. Thank um, you. It, it's always a good time we can get our full panel back together and hopefully we can yes. do it again uh, very soon. But that is going to do it for episode 66 of Discovery Debrief. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please like and follow us on our social media channels. And if you'd be so kind, we'd also appreciate it if you wrote a review for the show on iTunes or Facebook. It only takes a minute, and we'll be happy to read your review on the air when it's posted. If you have any questions, you can follow the show on Twitter at Debrief, where you can also find all of our individual Twitter handles. And feel free to send us questions through Twitter, our Facebook like page, or by emailing us at com. Please be sure to set your courses for this feed for future episodes the soonest of which is likely to be led by the venerable Mr. Cicero Holmes. And be sure to join us as we convene next time to discuss the increasingly diverse future of those bold adventures into the final frontier. Please do yourself and your families a favor and get yourself vaccinated as always though, until we meet again, please go boldly, my friends.